Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. This is Angelique Luna. I'm here with my co-host, partner in crime, and techie guy, John C. Luna. Good evening, all. And husband, sorry. And husband. I forgot the husband part. (laughs) It's fun stuff. All right, first off, I would love to congratulate everyone who entered into our October contest to win our kink crate box subscription which was the rope edition and drumroll please the winner was sex positive families Woo-hoo! they are the recipient of the rope box edition of kink crate so they will be receiving that shortly we are waiting to hear what our next giveaway is because um i just recently graduated from the kink therapy certification institute and ran behind trying to find the next giveaway for november so sorry wah, wah, wah. but tonight we have an awesome guest there kitty Campbell is a polyamorous and sex positive speaker author educator relationship coach activist and founder of loving without boundaries lwb since 2012 lwb has over 200 blog posts and 70 podcasts to date kitty's work has been featured in stories from the polycule multi amore swing towns postmodern women the you share project the upcoming book come out poly and other publications around the globe she has also been a special guest panelist and speaker on radio shows international and national conferences and more she is also a dual certified cpc and eli-mp relationship coach having graduated from the institute of for professional L- L- <laughs> excellence in coaching ipce lastly cat Kitty is thrilled to be bringing her upcoming book, which is released today on Kindle, uh, Jealousy Survival Guide, out to the world. Kitty has made it her life mission to make thriving relationships and even unconventional ones attainable to everyone. Welcome to the show, Kitty. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. So tell us, like today is your book release day. It is. It is. It's pretty exciting. So I'm really extra happy that the timing worked out that we were able to talk today. I know. And it's a wonderful, jam-packed, tiny book because I think I read it in less than three hours, the book from cover to cover and all the... Well, I didn't do the activities because some of the activities you say do it throughout the week there. But just to read it and digest it, yeah, that, that was a short read, but quite a lot to grasp but easy at the same time and I I think you you've said it best that it it sounds easier but it's very hard to do a lot of the work that you put in that book I really appreciate that everything that you said including that you took the time to read it and also that it's quick read I think in today's kind of immediate gratification world there's just there's so much content out there and if you're anything like me, you know, we just want to read it all. And, you know, we can't necessarily read it all. So 
it means a lot to me that you read the book, but also that you found it to be a quick read, because sometimes we just, when we're having a problem, we just kind of want the answers, right, you know? So I just wanted to, you know, add, add some personal stories in there to make it relatable, but not overdo it with all of that and, and really kind of get right to the heart of the matter. So I'm glad that you had that experience as you were reading through it. Yeah, I mean, it was very obvious that you wrote it based on a lot of experience of pain, suffering, trial, error, you know, yeah, hiding in the corner, crying your eyes out and saying, oh my God, I failed. It's like, I think we've all been there. So it's like, I, I love the tidbits on how to dissect everything and how to work things positively because yeah we are a society that automatically goes to the negative worst case scenario oh my god the sky is falling versus like okay wait take a deep breath walk away let's figure it out (laughs) yeah absolutely i definitely found both through trial and error and also through research when i was having issues i the first thing i i tend to do is go find a book to read when i'm having a problem so it was kind of natural to eventually write one myself. But, yeah, what I found in my own life is when we're in the thick of it, when our emotions are really grabbing a hold of us, I mean, that that concept that we always hear about, you know, seeing green or seeing red, I mean, to me, it's really true. And the way I describe it in the book is that our emotions sometimes can hijack our brain and we just want to knee-jerk and we don't want to feel that discomfort and we just want to try and alleviate it right away. So one of the things that I definitely talk about in the book is first to really have some self-empathy for yourself to realize that emotions are really gifts to us, even the ones that don't really feel great when we're feeling them. They're still gifts in the sense that they're like check engine lights on our car, letting us know that we need to take care of something, whether it's we need to take care of our own feelings of self-worth or practice some self-care techniques or if maybe we need to have a conversation with our partner. So yeah, so a lot of the techniques that I talk about are how to kind of pause and figure out, you know, notice when you're feeling those feelings and you see that you have that fog and you can't see clearly and techniques for how to kind of slow it down so that you can get to a place where you can observe what's going on and then strategize before you do something damaging to your relationship. Yeah, and I think we've all been there that we've kind of go straight to the jealousy, anger. Um, but even that, it's like sometimes jealousy is not so much a, a, a true emotion. It's usually there's an underlying story. Are you angry? Are you hurt? Are you upset? Are you know all these different other against adjectives and verbs rather than jealousy is always the go-to it's like well I'm jealous I'm like okay why are you jealous you know people just don't stop and think the reasoning why they just like okay well that's the reason end of story and I'm like ah no yes absolutely I love uh, Brene Brown is one of my heroes and favorite authors I was actually just reading her book today Braving the Wilderness but In one of her earlier books, she talks about, and I assume you're probably familiar with it, the shitty first draft. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I I use it constantly, even in my my personal life, with one of my partners when we're having an issue. I try and make a point now, and only like in the past few years, of saying, the story I'm telling myself is, and that's basically my shitty first draft, and it's usually 
you know, awful and disempowering and, you know, and I think it's important to say something like that, like the story I'm telling myself, because I think it can disarm in a positive way the person that we're talking to, because it can help them have empathy for us right away, because they realize, hey, we're human, and as humans, we always kind of, not always, but often, we kind of go to the worst case scenario and tell ourselves these awful negative stories that bring up fear and anger and, and possibly jealousy in this case. And once we kind of say out loud, you know, the story I'm telling myself is, is this, you know, then it helps us remember, you know, hey, maybe that's not what's actually happening. And maybe when I'm acting like that story is fact, maybe I'm doing that to myself and just kind of realizing that we have more control over our thoughts and feelings than we realize and that we give ourselves credit for. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you, you brought that up and mentioned that. Yeah, and I think the whole part of trying to slow down in today's society is the huge issue because if you actually do do some meditation or, you know, do like, okay, hey, I got to walk, you know, walk away, then I think we wouldn't have as many challenging relationship issues there. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's, um, I'm in my late 40s at this point, and I honestly, to be fair, I, haven't, I didn't start meditating. I would say roughly, regularly, I should say, maybe a year and a half ago. And I literally just meditate. I try and do it daily, but it ends up being maybe four to five times a week. But I try and meditate anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a day. And I can't tell you how much things have improved both in my relationships and my sense of calm. And you know what's so interesting is when I do have those stressful times in my life and I don't make time for meditation or I don't make time for exercising and those things that I, I found out now I really need in my life to stay balanced and centered, guess what? I end up getting into some silly, stupid, big argument. <laughs> you know? Or, you know, something, something bad happens it's and then I think back and I'm like, you know what? I totally didn't do any of my self-care things, you know, that helped me stay centered. And it's like clockwork. So I really, now that I've learned that about myself, I really just try and really make time for those things. And one of the things I talk about in the book is various incantations. And one, two that I really love a lot that I read, I try to read again almost daily, is I am responsible for me, my health, and my happiness. And that is so helpful to me when I read that. And then the other one is I control how and what I feel. Because I think so often, we, we again, we knee-jerk to looking outside of ourselves, whether we're blaming the world or our partners or society. And it can be such an easy out to blame other people. And I think in the book, some of the, the tough exercises in there are when I really ask the reader to look a little bit more within and take an honest self-assessment about where you are kind of before you start pointing the finger outside of yourself. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm just curious. How did you come up with the three C's? The three C's? Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually, I actually did a fair amount of research for the book. And actually, the original idea to even write it was when I was at the Beyond the Love conference in 2015, and it was the first time I was there, and I took two workshops by a wonderful gentleman named Kelly Cookson, 
and he is mentioned both in the resources and the bibliography and in the acknowledgments as well. And he came up with what he calls the constructive, he calls it the constructive jealousy DC3 strategy. And I was so blown away by what he taught, and it was so relevant to me at that time that I just started my podcast. I know your, your podcast, you, start, you said you started early this year. Mine, I think, was only several months old at that point. So I went up to him after the workshop, and I just told him I was just really grateful for everything that he shared and would he love to come on the podcast. And, you know, I wanted to know, you know, if I could share some of his, his teaching and his work. And he said, you know, let's talk about it. And so we had some conversations, and he told me that I was free to share the information as long as, you know, we just keep talking about it. And I was coming from a place of good intentions of helping people. And that's really where that originally came from. So I always give credit where credit is due. And so he's an amazing gentleman. And he's had his ups and downs over the past couple of years, so I have not had a chance to get him on my podcast. But I hope to. I actually just sent him an email today to say thanks again. The book is out in the world. And, hey, come on my podcast. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so... I know Angelique got to read the book. Unfortunately, uh, I did not. So two things. One for, for no, it, it's definitely now. It's definitely on the list. <laughs> on top of the <clears throat> other books too, because it's like with me going through school and doing the kink therapy certification, it was just like yeah, we had like you know a sh- shitload of books to read, and I'm still halfway through my reading material. But you know, this is well for, for also for our listeners. Who's, who was the target for this book? Is it people already in poly, people thinking of poly, or just people in open relationships? Just so our listeners know, you know, who your target audience was. I would say the I wanted to cast, uh, I, I consider myself polyamorous, and I do write my blog from that bent, but I did want to cast a slightly wider net. So the subhead is how to feel safe, happy, and secure in an open relationship. So I am mainly targeting people in open relationships, but a lot of the reviews that have come back have come back from people that are in monogamous relationships, and I've been really pleased with what they've been saying about the book in that this can be helpful for anyone feeling jealousy in a monogamous relationship or jealousy with a friend or a coworker, and also not just jealousy. Some of the techniques can be used for any challenging emotion. So, for example, anger or anything like that. So, um, so I did write it from the angle of open relationships, but a lot of the exercises can be used in many different ways. And I was so happy to hear that. That's awesome that you're getting reviews even from mon- monogamous couples uh, and helping them how to deal with, like I said, jealousy. Um, but tell us, wh- what's the story... You have your podcast. I know you mentioned you you are now becoming a uh, a coach as well. What made you write mm-hmm. the book? What made you write the book? It, well, I was telling you guys right before we got on. I I am a big uh, kind of self help book fan. Even to the point when I was about seven or eight years old, I was a, a really painfully <laughs> shy child, and I was growing up in the seventies and. The first thing I do, I think I, as I mentioned, when I have a problem, I tend to go to a book. So I went to my mother's room, and she had this book on her shelf called I'm Okay, You're Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I read it cover to cover, 
when I was about seven or eight years old, and it really helped me overcome my shyness at the time. And so I guess I've just always been a lover of books, and I don't think it was even a conscious desire that someday I might want to run, write a book, but I think maybe it was you know kind of back there because I just had so much respect for different authors such as Brene Brown and other authors that I really respect that I, I just really wanted to give back, I guess. I've just done so much work on myself, just a, a very brief background. Um, I was monogamous or trying to be monogamous for a good portion of my adult life. And I also grew up in a repressed Catholic home, so I joke around that I'm a recovering Catholic, so I had that to, to deal with. <laughs> Sounds <also>. very familiar. <laughs> yes, yes. So a lot of work to do to overcome that, but then also what happened for me is I went through a period where I was struggling with depression for about five or six years, and it started because I had a series of losses, just one after the other, and each time I was just about to almost recover from one, something else kind of hit me sideways. So first my, my father died very slowly in the hospital from cancer, and then my husband and I found out that we were infertile, so we went through IVF, and that didn't work. We're one of the not success stories of IVF. Then my mother passed away, and so oh. it just it, that happened, uh, and I, I, I ended up in therapy uh, for uh, to struggle to get out of depression. And once I finally did, I just realized, wow, God, that sucks. And I want to, I, I came out the other side realizing that I was polyamorous, partly because I had a midlife crisis and an identity crisis. Um, and I started to really own who I was. So I, I decided I was a you know, polyamorous, happily married woman who was child-free, not by choice, and you know, what kind of mark am I going to leave on the world? How am I going to make the world a better place? So that's, I guess, eventually how I came to writing a book is I just really strongly want to help other people in, in many ways, um, definitely with their mental and emotional as well as physical health, and also to find whatever way you need to find to be happy on this crazy planet <laughs> and this crazy world that we live in because, you know, sometimes it is not easy. I mean, those five or six years I was struggling with depression, it was awful, and I don't wish that on anyone. And so I just really want to support people on their journey, and I guess especially if you are a minority because it's hard to be a minority, and certainly um, identifying as polyamorous or transgender or lots of different ways that we can identify as a sexual minority and I want to support people to find out you know what their value system is to really explore what will you know bring you joy in your life and I want to give them tools to be able to do that well hopefully that answered your question oh de no definitely uh, kudos for for going to therapy um, we're both both open supporters of therapy within therapy ourselves together and apart, you know, at different parts of our lives. But I still find so many people who, who see it almost, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's almost taboo. It's almost like a weakness that if they can't solve their own problems, then there's something really wrong and they, they feel they have to do it themselves. And I've also met people who go to therapy and they shut down. It, it's, it's like, how did someone put it? It's like going to a stand-up comedy where the, the, the stand-up comedians mute. And they go up and just don't talk 
and come out and be like, nothing applies to me. And it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said all that. I definitely, I've actually gone to therapy at three different points in my life. Actually, four. <laughs> Just remember that one. Um, and I definitely, I'm glad you said that because I, I guess my one of my broader missions is just to destigmatize the, and um, get rid of the taboos with different things, whether it's the you know the stigma around depression or being a minority, but also going to therapy. I my kind of day job is I'm a creative director. You know, started out as a graphic designer, and the metaphor I like to use is you know if you need a logo, if you need branding. Hire a professional. You know, hire a professional that's, that's trained in that aspect that you're seeking instead of kind of banging your head against the wall if that's not your expertise. You weren't, you know, maybe meant to do that in your life. That's not what you were trained for. And I view the same thing with therapy just because we're talking about our mental or emotional health. You know, if you're in a bad spot, oh, my God, just hire a professional. You know, somebody who's trained in that area to support you because you know what? We don't know how much time we all have on the planet. And why not try our best to make the most with the time that we have? You know, I think for me, when I was struggling with depression, what I realized was I was walking around half dead. And mm-hmm. there was, uh, I had an experience that just kind of woke me up from that. And the line that I thought of was from Shawshank's Redemption, which is, get busy living or get busy dying. And I just thought, what am I doing? I'm not, you know, why am I moping around like this? I'm not doing anybody any good. I'm not doing myself any good. And, yeah, so I I went to therapy, and it was just, you know, I really believe in in hiring and and going and seeking out people that can help you in whatever area you need. And certainly our mental, emotional, and our physical health is really important. You know, why, why, uh, you know, have a, a good physical body that you can, you know, go for a jog, but inside your head, you're, you know, you're having some real issues, you know? Well, we're finally shedding that stigma that, you know, uh, mental illness is definitely an illness, whether, you know, depression or not, it's, it's a, we'll call it a mental cold. Um, I like that. Uh, yeah, it's a men- it's a mental cold. It's not a it's not a permanent. It's not cancer. We'll be fine. We just need a little up, you know, someone else to bring us up. But um, it's getting to the point where at least that's being you know more accepted as an actual illness. Now we just need to get people a little further to assume that sexual health actually equates to physical health as well, or at least can in many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up as well. The sexual health aspect and. I think that that's, that's another thing that's funny from my youth is I remember in high school, I didn't actually become sexually active until I was 18, but, you know, in high school, you're still like, I want to talk about kissing boys, and, you know, of course, mm-hmm. then once you start becoming sexually active, you want to talk about it, and I felt funny, I guess, again, growing up um, Catholic, I always kind of wanted to have those discussions, I wanted to talk about sex. And I remember getting frustrated because it seemed like no one wanted to talk about it. I'm like, why? This is exciting and this is fun and let's compare notes, you know? Uh, so I think it's funny that it, it took me my whole life to get to this point where I'm now a relationship coach and I have a podcast similar to you guys and I kind of love to talk about sex <laughs> and you know, our sexual health and you know, help people in that regard. 
Well, I've always said, which is the lesser of two evils with me? Because I've always been an advocate for mental health and for sex, you know. And sometimes people are willing to, you know, listen to my sex talk versus, you know, advocating for mental health. I'm like, really, people? Seriously? You need both. It's not just one or the other. Well, and I think they they definitely go hand in hand, too. I mean, for me, what can really turn me on is an incredible conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like getting intellectually stimulated, that's hot. (laughs) So to me, they very much go hand in hand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some of my best foreplay is really with the uh, brain fuck, as I like to call it, because it's like you're just stimulating. There's no physical action. It's just word porn. Oh, my God, I love that. You guys got some great phrases. I'm writing these down. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I'm also a total supporter of talking dirty during sex, too. But, you know, sex is partial. partial, Well, a lot of it is in the mind, and the body responds to it. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm actually uh, experimenting right now a lot with with dirty talking. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, I also, I guess the other reason I wrote a book is I really love the written word. And I, again, I think that when you talk about a brain fuck, I think sometimes when we, whether you're reading erotica or also I met my husband on match.com and I met my, my beloved, my nesting partner on OkCupid and those, you know, first couple weeks where you're getting to know somebody online, Ooh, that is hot, you know, or you're having, you know, like you said, there's uh, kind of sexting conversations or, you know, with, um, and when I first met my husband, we were, it was email, we weren't, we weren't texting back then. But yeah, that's such a fantastic way, I think, to get to know somebody, to really get to know their mind and the way they tick, and you do start to, you know, get to know some of their value systems. But yeah, it can be a, a really big turn on, I think. Oh, yeah. It's like just thinking of all the fun stuff that we did. I mean, the first couple of times when we were meeting up. Well, my my, my measure of it was I was never much of a texter. And I think it was the first like couple of weeks we were dating. Probably probably it was about four or five weeks. Uh-huh. I looked at my phone. I had an Android at the time. And it listed the people and the number of texts. And it had, you know, like mom in there. It was, I don't know, over three months, maybe 20, 30, 40 text, and a few other people. And then it listed you, which I remember was close to 1,200 text. So, and a decent amount of it was dirty talk, so it worked out very well. Uh, Oh, come on, it can't be any worse than the Pottery Barn, and when you tell me you're bisexual, and I threw you up against the bedpost and started making out with you, so. Very true. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. I love that there's a little bit of an exhibitionist sitting next to me over here. That was our first major fight, actually. <laughs> yes, she 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 wanted to be an exhibitionist, and I was much more of a private one, what, private what do you person. Want to be? I am. There's a difference. There. Oh, you're definitely an exhibitionist. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's like we were at a, we met actually through the lifestyle. We're both swingers, so it was a swingers meeting greet. So we went to a party, and I'm used to being in the the center of the room, you know, having sex in front of all all these people. This guy, no, and that's like I'm not doing this. I'm like, excuse me, you're dating me. We're in the lifestyle. Guess what? Yes. So yeah, that was our that ma- yeah our first major fight was that. <laughs> that is hilarious. 
Well, you guys are fun. I, I'm loving this conversation. But, yeah, that's interesting to hear about a little bit more of your history. And, yeah, and that one of you sounds like, I guess when you say exhibit, well, exhibition certainly with uh, having open sex with other people, certainly. But, yeah, it sounds like maybe maybe you like the, the PBA, the Public Displays of Affection, as well. Oh, yeah, we oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our, our seventeen-year-old always keeps telling us, "Get a room." I'm like, "We live here." It's like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So I and it's our now. Is, John, are you an introvert? And Angelique, do you identify as an extrovert as well? Well, I, I okay. I was an introvert, and it's really funny because going back not so many years, uh, software developer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so kind of got to work on my own a lot i was the guy in college who absolutely hated speech class move forward to someone pulling at it pulling me out of my shell i'm now teaching college so i lecture on a weekly basis in front of you know 30 40 50 people and i don't even think twice about it now so uh yeah i was definitely pulled out of my shell you could say oh totally completely mm-hmm. that's awesome how interesting have you guys heard of the book called Quiet? Have you heard of that? No. What is that about? Now I'm curious. All right. I'm going I'm to look up the full title, and uh, I can send you. It's written by a woman named Susan Kane, and uh, it was recommended to me by a friend of mine, somebody that's in my Long Without Boundaries community who identifies as an introvert. And so it's taking me a second to, to look it up. But it, it basically it's mainly talking about introverts, but in contrast, to extroverts, and I thought it was just a fascinating read, partly because I I felt like when I told you guys I read that book and I was a painfully shy child, I felt like I taught myself how to become an extrovert and to be outgoing and all of that, and what this book helped point out was that it's when we identify as an introvert or an extrovert, it's partly about where we get our energy from. So, for example, an extrovert might get their energy when they enter a party and they, they're they so excited to be in a crowd with all their you know, friends, whereas an introvert, if they go to a party like that, that might feel draining to them, and then they want to go home and be alone for several hours to kind of recharge. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. And they had a quiz in there, and it turned out that I was really more of an ambivert, which is about half and half. And then when I told my husband about the book, he thought, wow, that's pretty interesting, too, because like you, John, he's incredible at giving presentations. He's given probably over 600 presentations in, you know, to some highly influential people, and so he looks like an extrovert, and he used to also be in the catering business, and he knows how to work a room, but he said he actually he can do it, and he excels at it, but he, he doesn't really love it. He actually kind of needs to go back home and be quiet for a while, to kind of recharge and so I thought this book was really fascinating and it also helped me because my boyfriend my beloved is a self-proclaimed introvert so it helped me understand understand him a little bit better and I thought that was really awesome I've heard that 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 strategy before about where you get your energy from and the only thing I say in there I think there's a lot of well not a lot but there's definitely introverts who want to be extroverts they're just the best way to put it is afraid. And once they get out there, they, they can, they can thrive on it, um, to a point, And then they kind of retreat back, you know? 
So I guess, I, guess, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it, it definitely is a balance for me that I do love getting up and doing lectures now and, and doing stuff. But it, like at the end of a conference, I'm really looking forward to some quiet time in my hotel room. Just, you know, me, one other person and the TV and quiet. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just you at the hotel room and I'm still out, you know, socializing. <laughs> that is true. One of the things is when you do get an introvert and an extrovert together, and, and whether they're dating or married, um, sometimes the introvert tries to keep up pace with the extrovert. And that can be so exhausting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just I need just to... I found the, the book title. Hmm? Okay. I was just saying, um, sometimes the, the introvert just needs to know when to bow out. And that will definitely avoid a lot of fights, at least in my opinion. What was the name of that book? Yeah, I just found it. It took my internet connection a second. It's called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. Just really interesting. So another book for my list. Are you guys... Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you guys, since you're a therapist, are you familiar with the Imago Dialogue and Imago Therapy? A little bit, yes. I I mostly focus a, a lot on the Gottman Institute, so... I'll look this book up, too, but uh, there's a book called Getting the Love You Want that talks about this Imago therapy, and I actually went to a workshop for couples several weeks ago, but the reason I bring it up is I learned to, uh, like, a way to talk about personality styles that I thought was really interesting that's along what we're talking about, and the terms they used there were um, identifying as a tiger or a turtle. And I thought this was fascinating. So you can think of the tiger as someone who expands their energy. So also if they're having challenging emotions to possibly bring it back to, you know, jealousy or excitement or just those kind of emotions, they want to expand it out and they want to talk a lot and get it out of their out of themselves. Kind of like a tiger has all that energy, whereas a turtle um, is more you know, slower and quiet process and would kind of contact their energy when they're feeling changing emotions. So they do withdraw or kind of go into their cave. And I thought that it was a neat way to talk about personality types. And I'm sure you could kind of equate it to introvert and extrovert, but it was really helpful for the boyfriend and I. And I would, in that scenario, I would identify as a tiger and he identifies as the turtle. And I thought it gave us a lot of empathy for each other when, you know, maybe we're about to get into an argument and you can see how, like, we'd be about to go sideways and it would probably be like, because I'd be saying, hey, we need to resolve this right now. I need to talk to you. And he's like, hey, back off. I need some some time to think here, you know? And those energies are kind of opposite. And it helps us understand each other a little bit better and have, you know, more patience, I guess, for each other and more understanding instead of just, you know, getting into a big argument, really. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. The, the one thing I'm always amazed at is how many introverts are in the lifestyle, whether it be swinger or poly. It, it just, you know, at first thinking about it, it's like you, it, it seems like a relationship style you need to be very outgoing in, but it's not. It's actually quite warming. Daily. No. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of, you know, 
you think back to at least my high school, like the Dungeons and Dragons folks and the people that like to go to Comic Cons, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us are kind of nerds, you know, frankly. I mean, I would identify as a nerd. I might be an outgoing nerd, but I would still call myself a nerd. And yeah, I, was, I think there's, like you said, there's probably a fair number of us in the, in the lifestyle. I don't exactly know why that is, but it is kind of fascinating. Well, for those of us in the kink community, it lets us go ahead and uh, harness our creative ability to, do, to to make kinky stuff. So, <laughs> Well, that's true. You know, it it's, uh, gives us an outlet to be more of ourselves, true, our true selves versus what we are in the, in the real world. You know, I, I know Halloween time was the only time I could really be myself because I'm a psychic medium and everyone wants a fortune teller at their ha- Halloween party. And they're like, what? Do you know this? What? I'm like, yeah. Wow, that is so cool. I'd love to hear more about it. Uh, oops, did we lose you? Oh, I'm here. I said, I, that is so cool that you're a psychic medium. I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> That's for another day. We try to promote about sex here. <laughs> That's fascinating, though. How cool. But yeah, I, I definitely identify with you. Halloween is definitely one of my favorite holidays, and... One of the things I, um, when my, I used to live in a townhouse, and when my husband and I got married, we bought the home that we live in now, where we have a little bit more elbow room, so it's a single family home. And one of the things I love about it is it came with a, a closet that I literally, that, like it has obviously a, lots of closets, but one closet in the basement I kind of took over, and I just said, this is my costume closet. <laughs> that's, where, <laughs> that's where I keep all my, all my costumes. So all my Halloween costumes, all my kink things, you know, whips and chains, you name it, it's in that closet. Well, well those things tend to fill up the normal closet pretty quickly. Cosplay is definitely a uh, a square footage intensive, or can be, uh, hobby. Well, also, it's kink. I mean, we bought a huge trunk just we're, to put our toys in. We're well organized. Our <laughs> kink is well organized, put it that way. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm impressed you have a trunk. We have... We have one drawer and then a closet for my costume. So I, I aspire to get where you are with a trunk. I actually literally just yesterday said, you know, I think we need to get an iron X that folds down so that we can just put it underneath one of the beds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's the new movement. Awesome. Either collapsible, collapsible or camouflage kink. Something you can leave right out in the living room and no one would know unless they knew. Oh, we have one of those in the sense of we have two hooks in the ceiling in two different rooms of the house, and we kind of disguise the hook with a punching bag, a really big punching bag. But when we <laughs> want to, we take the punching bag down, and out comes a sex swing. <laughs> well, we've been staring at some uh, some furniture. Uh, who's the company who makes it, sweetie? Liberator. Liberator has this beautiful black studded i mean it looks like uh uh my ottoman with the studs on the end and it looks like a couch and then you watch the video that comes with it and realize they designed it completely with all these different sex positions in mind and the fact that i don't have to put it away when i have company over no worries oh my god you know i'm looking that up as soon as we get off right (laughs) Totally. We'll be driving up to Atlanta in a few months to go pick ours up. I know. We keep saying that because the last 
The last couple of times we've had the child in the car with us, and we're like, oh, crap, it's either we have the child or we pick up the furniture. It's like, ah! You guys are a hoot. I love you guys. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be looking up this couch to see if uh, maybe we need to redecorate over here. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even that expensive. It was like about the normal price of a a, a chaise lounge, was, about six hundred, seven hundred. Actually, they went three to six hundred. Yeah, was the tag, but you can customize it, and they will build it for you. You know, we need to talk to them. For as much as I love that stuff, we need to talk to them about sponsorship. Uh, no, they don't do any sponsorship. I already uh, uh, went through the circuits, so yeah, the blogger circuits, like no liberators, a no. So <laughs> that's okay. I'll just use their product anyway. <laughs> Maybe we'll inspire some of your listeners, and somebody listening will come up with the classable Iron X, and you know we can all buy that product from them. <laughs> well, it's funny. We had a friend um, who had built a St. Andrew's cross. A portable travel lean. And, yeah, it broke down and fit inside a small suitcase. I was amazed at how small it got. What's a St. Andrew's cross? A uh, St. Andrew's cross, basically think of a great big X. Standing about six feet tall, so that way it's nice that you can just tie someone up to it. There's usually um, mounts or uh, you know handcuff mounts at the tops of the crosses. So you know what? I think I was using the wrong term. I think that's what I was referring to. Ah, realized that was the proper name for it. Yeah, that's the common name. (laughs) We try to educate, entertain at the same time. So. (laughs) so you've been traveling all over the world basically it sounds like just talking about polyamory and how to resolve a lot of the challenges on there i mean how much feedback do you get from people when you're doing these presentations i would say i've only um it's been probably about maybe three years uh, that I've been uh, so far traveling at least across the country, and I did eventually become an outreach rep for the Relationship Equality Foundation, so that helped give me a broader reach. But I've gotten um, incredible feedback. My And my favorite talk I'll tell you about was earlier this year, I was able to speak at the University of North Florida during their sex week to college students and for their to all the college students, but certainly there was a heavy LGBT uh, community represented in the audience. And for me, that was a dream come true, partly from some of the history I was telling you earlier that I, I grew up Catholic and, you know, had to get over all the things that I was, I was taught that just didn't jive with who I ended up becoming. And so I really had wished somebody had come to me in college and given a presentation similar to the one that I gave, and I just basically talked about what consensual non-monogamy is and how it can be a healthy relationship choice, and it was a two-hour workshop with just amazing, amazing, bright students, and we had a lot of fun, and it was incredible. During the intermission, some of the kids came up to me to just tell me how much they really appreciated what I was sharing with them and how I was helping them realized that there was nothing wrong with them, that they were perfectly healthy, that they just didn't realize that they had these kind of choices, and it was just 
a really, really rewarding experience, and I, I loved every minute of it. And I've also loved talking at different conferences, and I love I love traveling to conferences because you can really kind of immerse yourself and get to know people in the evening events. And yeah, it's just been lots of lots of great feedback. So I've really enjoyed that process of sharing what I've learned and also learning from other people, kind of like we're doing here with this conversation, just you know knocking ideas around and and um, learning from each other. And I I think that's what the world you know what makes the world go around. You know, what makes it all worthwhile is sharing what we learn. You know, just to help each other out. So I've really loved it. You know, I see um, for people of our age and our generation, we mostly have that same story of finding out we were, you know, poly or non-monogamous at a later point in time. Being that I teach college, I see so many kids, you know, 18 to 21 that get this kind of education and so on. It's, It's thanks to talks like you that, you know, they realize this is not something they need to hide, they need to conform. And I'm starting to see so much more open relationships at a younger age because it's getting so much more media attention and obviously books getting written about it. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm so happy. I feel like a lot of the work that I'm doing is to help, you know, certainly our generation, but also to help the next generation to give them tools, you know, that we didn't have or that weren't available to us and, and to make it easier for them to have that kind of information. And I do have um, various friends that have uh, polyamorous type of households, and I've heard various things similar to what you said, where maybe young people are having open relationships earlier because they, instead of, say, cheating, you know, because they understand that that's a choice that they can make. Unlike me, I was a, I was a cheater for almost a decade before I realized, hey, I don't have to do that. I could be ethical and honest about all of this. Um, but I've also heard where it's just helpful for young people to realize that they have a choice and to know what choices are available to them. And they may still go ahead and choose monogamy, but then they, they at least have all the, all the choices laid out before them so that they can make a more educated decision instead of maybe doing what I did, which was, you know, kind of forming bad habits that I had to unlearn later. You know, I, I would say, you know, cheating was certainly not something I'm proud of. But at the time, I didn't really realize that there was another another way. And I just decided I was going to hell anyway. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, huh. oh, we all are. I got first class. I'm good. I have my brother and my dad as the pilots. I, I'm, yeah, I'm all set. It's like... <laughs> all the fun people will be there, so I'm not worried. <laughs> I don't know. Hugh yeah. Hefner had a fun life here, so I don't know about the other side. <laughs> Yeah, but I've definitely, you know, enjoyed uh, the whole journey. So I've definitely enjoyed, you know, learning. For me, the first time I learned the word polyamory uh, was when I read The Ethical Slut. And the way I like to describe it is, when I was reading it, it was literally, like, on page five. And on page five, I just, I literally, like, my jaw dropped. I time stopped, and it was, like, light came down, you know, from the heavens. And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I love these authors, and I'm not crazy, kind of like the way those college kids were saying to me, you know, I'm not crazy. I was apparently just polyamorous or, you know, had the desire to be consensually non-monogamous, and I just didn't know. You know, I didn't know any better, and it was so freeing 
to read all that book, and it is, mm-hmm. and I, I want to read the latest edition. I can't wait to see what they've added. But it was just so, such a remarkable moment that I will never forget. And but there was a little piece of me that was angry. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me this before? <laughs> why did it take me? Why did it take me so long to find this information? You know. No, so I, I, I was so happy. When I, I am so, you know, I had that same realization. Um, I didn't read The Ethical Slot. There was some other books I have read, and I had heard about um, swinging, and I'm like, I had the same same thing of, wait, there, cake was an option? I could get cake and eat it too? Oh, my God, this is fantastic. But um, in August, we had done a bunch of conventions, and we had, uh, we bought, what was it? was Stories from the Polycule, which yeah. I know you're familiar with. And we almost finished the book on the road. Yeah. That once you started reading it, it was, okay, I'm going to pull over and switch. I'll read you drive. And we almost finished the book, the trip. And I believe that was coming back from D.C. Yeah, it was because I always try to buy books from the local um, booksellers at conferences just to support local businesses because I know how much it costs to be at a conference. So if I could contribute and give back, that's what I always do. That's that's where a lot of my books are. I, I know it's cheaper and better to buy on Amazon, but always support small businesses. Absolutely. And I, as, a, as a small business owner, I, I readily appreciate that. So thank you for your support. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that book up. That's actually, um, that, that book is actually how I originally met Dr. Elizabeth Sheff, who's the author of the book. And I met her online like i've met so many people it seems and uh you may not realize it but yeah one of the essays in there was mine and that was actually when i you know was first published and i was you know dancing around the room i'm like oh my god my essays and stories (laughs) oh my god and uh we just remained friends on online over email and then i eventually met her at woodhall sexual freedom summit last year in person we had breakfast together and uh, got to know each other a little bit better. And so once, and I told her at that time that I was working on Jealousy Survival Guide, my, my current book that just released today. And I asked her, I was like, hey, do you think, you know, you'd want to write the forward for this book? And she said she would love to. So it was so fun working with Dr. Chef on the book and reading her forward when she, when she wrote it. And she's just awesome. And I love all of her books that she's shared. I love the little book, the handbook, When Someone You Love is Polyamorous. That's awesome. I'm so glad that someone and somebody I really respect and admire took the time to write that because that is just a, a gem of a book. Because I don't know about you guys and how it's worked out for you, but I find the whole coming out can be challenging. And how cool that you can just kind of get a carton of those books and just start handing them out. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because that's the book I'm in the middle of reading. That's my current read. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's, that's definitely a quick read, but it's, it's a great gem of a book. I have not read Polyamorous Next Door yet, but you guys will appreciate this. We moved into the single-family home I was telling you about about six years ago now, and when we moved in, I was just joking around about, uh, I don't know if this neighborhood knows that there's a bunch of kinky, weird people that are about to move in next to them. <laughs> 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 and, 
It's funny. Last week we went and watched um, Doctor Masterson and his Wonder Women, which is the creator of Wonder Woman, who was who is uh, Kinky and Polly. And it's yes, I cannot wait to see that. Oh no! It it is one of those. I will be buying two copies, one for me and one to lend out. But as we're watching it, and they get busted, I'm like, do, do you think our neighbors know we have a kinky? You know, open sexual podcast being broadcast in this quiet suburban neighborhood. Nah, neighbors have no clue. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and here I am, you know, same thing, doing the podcast from the house. So that is awesome. Yeah, I actually first learned about the Wonder Woman phenomenon coming from the Apollyamorous household from the woman I mentioned to you earlier, Dedeker Winston, who wrote. The smart, the smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory. She has a chapter in there that's all about history, and that's where I first learned. I guess it, I, I read it in April of this year, and that's where I first learned that the creator of Wonder Woman was polyamorous, and he he created the character based on his his two partners. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. And I didn't know this movie was in the works, so I am just thrilled. You're about the fourth person to tell me about it. I cannot wait to go see that. And it's interesting because it didn't do so well in the box office because we were kind of shocked that after three weeks it was being removed from theaters. I mean, we literally had to drive almost an hour to see the movie in one of the theaters because after watching it, we could understand why the rest of the world did not appreciate it. But, you know, people in the community would totally appreciate it, well, especially the history. The reason we I didn't think... Mm-hmm. Um, most a lot of people wouldn't uh, uh, do well commercially is a lot of people wouldn't get past the sex once you get past the sex right. it's an absolutely beautiful love story and i think it's just honestly a story about struggle because it's it's to be poly and, and that not today not 20 years ago but in the 1920s where it mm-hmm. was every i mean there was no internet there was there wasn't you know how do how did you even meet people? How do you find out about it? And it was interesting to find out. Um, he basically walked into a lingerie shop and met a Frenchman. And the Frenchman asked him some very weird questions, like, "Do you work for the post office? Are you in law enforcement? This and that." And then told him, "Okay, come back Thursday night at eight o'clock." And it was a back room hidden because back then it was illegal. Porn was actually illegal to possess. Yeah, that that gives it the the, the true underground, underground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that thing, and I I can just say, speaking for myself, I mean, just writing a book and putting it out there, and you know, you happen to be talking to me on the book launch day, which is just amazing timing. But I mean, it's scary. You know, it's scary to um, put yourself out there and be doing something that other people, you know, don't necessarily understand or possibly approve of. I've had uh, some people that I reached out to that um, to ask for a review, and they basically said that they wouldn't give me a review because of the content of my book. And it's the year 2017, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I have such compassion and empathy for, wow, what it must have been like in the 1920s 
to, you know, be so avant-garde and doing what was probably considered completely blasphemous back then. So truly, truly wonder women and wonder men they were. So I, I absolutely cannot wait to see that. Definitely abs- absolute pioneers. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's so sad. Our time has come to an end. So, Kitty, tell us, where can our fans and listeners find you, find the book, get a hold of you, the whole nine yards? Absolutely. So you can uh, go to my website, which is lovingwithoutboundaries.com, all spelled out. And from there, you'll be able to find my blog and my podcast. Or you can find my podcast on iTunes, also Loving Without Boundaries. You can follow me on Twitter, where there is Polly Talk by Kitty, because uh, I had not come up with the name Polly uh, Loving Without Boundaries at that point when I did that. <laughs> and as far as book, today is the first day of a five-day free Kindle promotion. So if you go to Amazon and search for Jealousy Survival Guide, and the subhead is how to feel safe, happy, and secure in an open relationship, where you can also search for it by my name, Kitty Shambliss, C-H-A-M-B-L-I-S-S, and you can download your free Kindle version. There also is a print version that literally just went live late last night, and I've been asked uh, three times now for an audible version, so I will be doing that, but it's not available yet because I have not had time to sit down and read the whole book. (laughs) 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 But I will do that soon people that like the audible version but um but yeah print and kindle are available now kindle for free awesome awesome or you could do like me and cheat if you have an iphone and has that speech to text so you grab your two fingers go from the top of the screen all the way down and that's how your iphone could read the book to you now you see i i did that all through all through my master's degree i had to go ahead and use that because i had to read so much stuff but I think you, your voice, Kitty, would be so much more lovelier than that semi-mechanical oh. Apple voice. Hey, I like my little British Apple guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I fully intend to do that. I will let you know when I do. Awesome. So uh, you can find me everywhere on the Living in Sex Positive Life social media, our website. Please visit our sponsor page and purchase something from them because that will support us. And yes, we have to do the shameless plug of please, please, um, I, I need to go to more conferences. So buy items, support this free podcast. Uh, also offering coaching services, workshops, educations. Um, yes, yeah, psychic readings. Yeah, I'll throw that in there. <laughs> uh, what else do I do there? Singing, dancing. Oh, review and subscribe to our podcast because Apple is God. And until we get enough reviews on our podcast page in a- Apple, they won't be able to share this information. I know you guys love to listen to us because we, we see the numbers. Yay, thank you for listening. Now just share the love by writing a review and subscribing. And if you'd like to reach me, I'm on as John C. Luna on Facebook, Twitter, and FetLife. Uh, send me a message and say hi and let us know how we're doing. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Good night.